Now I have a podcast. Ho, ho, ho. Not suitable for anyone podcast. Uh, once again, this is Patrick Anderson, your host, and I'm really excited today because uh, this is our first ever uh, Christmas episode or our first ever Christmas movie. I told you guys how much I love Christmas and how much I love Christmas horror, and I could not be more excited uh, to kick it off with uh, with this movie that we're going to talk about today, uh, which is The Night Sitter, which was written and directed by my two guests, John Rocco and Abiel Brun. Hey guys, how are you? Good, good. And just for clarity's sake, uh, this voice is Abiel. And this is John. Yeah. John, Abiel, yes, yeah, sorry. I had that written down in my notes and then I immediately ignored it. Hey, you got a lot closer than most people, so no worries. <laughs> great, great. Well, listen, thanks thanks for jumping on, guys. I really appreciate this. Um, this has quickly become an annual, uh, an annual rewatch for me. Um, this has been around for a couple of years now. I think I first saw it first uh, sometime, uh, sometime in 2019. Uh, yeah, we, uh, we had a festival run in 2018 where, you know, it started, the movie kind of started to get press and a little bit of buzz around then. Uh, but then like, and also it was released in uh, the UK um, over the summer of 2018. And then it came out uh, in the States, uh, August, 2019. So, yeah. So it's been out for, for um, a little over a year and yeah. Um, yeah. And I, I think it should be on everyone's sort of annual, annual watch. Cause it's, it's a Christmas movie, but it's also a, you know, it's a, it's a witch movie. Um, there's a lot of cool stuff going on here. There's a lot of inspirations that you guys are are playing around with, stuff like like Suspiria and Evil Dead Two, and there's just some things I can kind of tell right off the bat that I I can tell you're fans of uh, from yeah. watching it. But uh, why don't you guys you know talk a little bit about you know what some of your uh, your inspirations and, and and things are for this? Um, yeah, I mean, I guess our elevator pitch would kind of be uh, like Suspiria meets Home Alone. Um, we tried to give like a pretty, you know, warm hearted vibe at the beginning, like almost like a, a John Hughes movie. Yeah. Sort of like focusing on the babysitter and the kids a little bit and like getting that, um, trying to kind of nail those relationships, uh, before the horror really starts. Um, and then, yeah, like you said, once the horror starts, obviously Suspiria, huge, I mean, direct homages to stuff straight out of spirit yeah with the three mostly mothers. Like lighting and three mothers yeah, and yeah i mean it's yeah it's, it's clearly you'd call it unashamed uh, <laughs> but uh yeah i mean uh i think i love that you said evil dead too because that's another movie where it just you know that's not a christmas horror movie and you know the, the lighting isn't really like that um stylized for much of the movie but there's an energy to it that i think we tried to capture in as many of the gore scenes as possible that we could. I mean, it's, it's a tough energy to capture, you know, like that's, that's an amazing movie. Yeah. So um, we definitely appreciate that. Yeah. That reference. Yeah. I could definitely pick up on that because, um, I, I guess, well, I mean, jumping, ahead, it's jumping ahead a little bit, but yeah, cause it is, you know, it, there are very like three kind of very distinct acts, but once the kills kick off, um, I mean, it just, it just goes for it. And it's, it's one of those that I don't know, if you're if you're watching from the beginning, you may be the first time through. You're not necessarily expecting it to go to some of the places that it goes. Yeah, we we definitely appreciate that. That's uh, yeah, that's definitely a compliment. Because yeah. I mean, I think that's I was kind of our hope was that we would, you know, a lot of horror movies there are characters that they enter the movie and you're like, okay, they're here to die. You know, that's it. And we <laughs> kind of hope to give each character just enough. I mean, of the supporting characters, just enough. Uh, you know, personality and focus that once everyone starts dying, you're kind of like, oh, fuck, like, they're, they're really going to kill all these people, you know, like, uh, because, you know, obviously, that that's the fun of it, you know, we were never going to make a horror movie where, like, the majority of the characters lived, you know, like, 
the whole time we're just waiting to to do the the big kill scenes and everything. Like I said, it definitely goes for stuff, and uh, and it doesn't it doesn't really pull its punches. You know, there there are no sort of white knights or, or perfect characters here, and you know, there's not really anyone who is, you know, sort of spared the the wrath of the uh, of of the three mothers. Yeah, we definitely. Uh... Our our goal was kind of not to make you know the most likable cliched characters. So um, you know we're we're definitely happy that you pointed out that as yeah. well. Yeah, because that's something a lot of people um, I kind of think they maybe gloss over when they watch the movie is that um, yeah we we kind of tried to find the negative side of everyone and kind of use that to build their character, which I think is. You don't want to have like contempt for your characters, but I do think it's fun to um, play with their flaws and just make sure, you know, the audience understands a reason that they might die horribly, you know? Right, right. Yeah. Um, so, so, so backing up and just kind of talking about genres again, this one, this one kind of came out at a strange time and in a, in a year where we ended up getting three movies and two of them set at Christmas, in fact, um, you know, heavily involving, uh, heavily involving babysitters and featuring kids that, you know, are, are arguably maybe a little bit too old to, to have babysitters in the first place. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Although I got to say, I think we are the least guilty of that, of the three babysitter movies that came out. Like ours is the one that has actual kids in it. Like Better Watch Out and uh, The Babysitter, you know, both those kids are like 15 yeah. or something. <laughs> I think we had. I think uh, Jack, who played Kevin, was was he twelve when we? Yeah, he was twelve, and I think uh, the other kid was like nine yeah. or ten. Yeah, Ronnie. Uh, Ronnie was. Yeah, he must have been a little bit younger. So yeah, yeah. I mean, we we definitely uh, cast uh, as young as we could yeah. without sacrificing, you know, too much quality because we've never really, you know, directed kids before. So. Yeah, we definitely wanted to make sure that we uh, we had someone that was prepared on set. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Well, uh, and and uh, and Jack is. Um, I mean, I, I think he gives a great performance. Uh, and and he's since I guess it looks like he's got you know a recurring role coming up in the in the Avatar films. So oh, yeah. Um, you know, you guys might have a you, you guys might be the the answer to a trivia question or something down the uh, down the road here. <laughs> Let's well, hope so. Yeah, that's what we aspire towards. <laughs> Uh, yeah well uh yeah you know jack is he's a super gifted actor and um you know it's really interesting i love to point this out because a lot of you know obviously there's a, the big press releases for um the avatar movies and that's amazing for him uh and his mother anna um super happy for both of them um but what's funny is jack was also in avengers endgame for like one scene um he's in one scene and he tells paul R or like paul rudd asks him like hey kid what happened because it's been five years and the world's all messed up and jack's on a bike and he just turns around and looks over his shoulder and i don't think he says yeah anything, he doesn't say anything just, but it's just the look on his face yeah. in a close-up is so dramatic and like it's like this this entire storytelling point in the movie is just like jack champion's face um so yeah it's really great he's he's got that kind of presence on screen yeah, uh, and and he's featured so much in this movie that I think you know having having the wrong actor in that role could um, could really derail things. But I but it but it doesn't here. I mean, I think I think he does a good job, and you guys obviously did a good job uh, directing him. I mean, what so and I've seen you know your other shorts and things. Um, you know, so what was it like having kids on set and directing kids in what is actually a really kind of mean and, and violent, uh, gory film? Uh. It actually was pretty, pretty fun. Like they were all down and same with the parents. They were like, they all wanted to pretty much make it as scary as possible. I know we, we had to like definitely suspend one of the kids upside down. We don't want to, you know, uh, ruin too much of the movie, but yeah, we definitely have a few moments where the kids are, uh, you know, put in danger and, uh, yeah, I think it was, it was a lot of fun shooting it. And I think everyone had, yeah, I mean, I think, uh, uh, I mean, directing the kids is just a matter of kind of getting in tune with their personality. Um, and, uh, on set, definitely both of us, I mean, John, I think in particular, but both of us really got in rhythm with Jack as much as we could. And then with, uh, uh, with Ronnie, with Ronnie, uh, 
he's just such a presence. That kid is so he, he's just doing himself. Like the, <laughs> the kid who's playing Ronnie is just being himself, you know, like to an extent. He's got a persona that he does. Yeah. Um, His name is Bailey Campbell. Yeah. Just to, yeah. Yeah. Bailey. Yeah. He's great. And um, so it's just different because Jack is, is uh, you know, he was a little older and also he has a very different style of acting, but you just kind of try to get into rhythm with both of them. I think that kids are, are better actors than we give them credit for as long as they're being asked to, you know, portray things that are, you know, sort of normal for, uh, for a kid to do. Oh, absolutely. And, and I mean, and that's the tricky thing, though, when you start shooting kids and you're like, all right, so three witches just popped out and murdered somebody, you know, because then <laughs> <laughs> that's not necessarily something they're going to run into on a day to day basis. So, you know, it's, uh, you know, and those big moments that you can see in the close ups like Jack is he's great at that. Yeah, they're 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 good in those moments. I was um, uh, Jacob Tremblay gets a lot of credit for um, for for his role in Dr. Sleep. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know, have you guys seen that? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, and I think they were talking about like people were like worried, like was he traumatized on on set, and, and you know, and then and um, and Flanagan's like, like, are you kidding me? No, like, you know, like, it was the adults that were all you know traumatized. He he's he pops up and he goes over to the craft table looking for a snack <laughs> when his scene is done. Yeah, well, also, I mean, that's the other thing too is that it's fun. Like, it's fun to act in a horror movie, like. Or I mean, any movie probably, but especially a horror movie. I would think um, for kids that age, like when we rigged Bailey upside down, he was like loving it. Like he thought it was cool, you know, for the like you know fifteen twenty seconds that you can be like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that's awesome. Um, so, and then the other the other sort of like you know mini genre that that I've defined here that this falls into, which is another one that I really love, is what I kind of call the Coen Brothers horror, and that's where you have you have people who are too dumb or too inept uh, to be criminals, but trying to, uh, you know, trying to, you know, commit crimes and end it, and they end up getting in way over their heads with something. And there's there's sort of a horror twist uh, to this, um, you know, that, that Night Sitter kind of uh, kind of fits into, which is which is just another thing that I don't, I don't know why, but for some reason I just find endlessly entertaining. Yeah, I mean, I. Again, man, like I really, I think we both appreciate your read of the movie. I mean, that's a lot of stuff that we were trying to accomplish. That, um, you know, it. I think it requires a certain sensibility to pick up on all of it and enjoy all of it um, in a way that, like, we do. But yeah, I mean, the Coen Brothers are amazing, and and you know, the whole idea of having the movie be almost exclusively about criminals. You know, like there's kids, and then there's a huge, you know mostly criminals and then the the dad winds up being a, a horrible human being too you kind of want to and it goes back to what we were saying about you know making them a little bit unlikable is that there's something sort of charming about criminal ambition or criminal lack of ambition and you know it's kind of like fun to just you know these people when they get their comeuppance it feels like you're paying off this like series of misadventures and it leads to a lot of fun and it's a it's a good setup for the situation because it's not like you know when when the crazy when crazy witch shit starts happening it's not like she can just walk away um you know so it is good you know sort of hook to kind of keep your uh, to keep your characters in the in the situation too right yeah definitely let's kind of pivot pivot and talk a little bit about elisa's character here we don't necessarily know you know sort of why she's chosen this this life of crime uh, yeah i mean i i think we kind of, you know, very much wanted to ride that line of having her be, yeah, morally compromised. But, you know, even when you genuinely think she's like robbing a rich guy's house and, you know, and he's a good guy for the first, you know, however, 80 minutes of the movie, that's what you think about Ted. You still never really dislike her for it. Um, You know, it just kind of feels like she's a desperate person making choices and, you know, you still like her. Yeah. And, and I think, there's there's a moment there's sort of a choice where um you know she gets confronted about you know why she you know because he sees the jack sees her you know sort of uh steal the uh, the cash and stuff from the drawer she just comes straight out and and sort of tells him what we're, you know what's going on here and it you kind of feel like it serves two purposes because it it one is it kind of it kind of lets the audience know um, you know, okay, you can stop, you know, sort of trying to overanalyze this or, 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 or you know, or, or think about it too much. This is, you know, this is, this is really it. This is what's happening. 
and you know, two is it kind of shows you a window into you know how she, uh, how she's going to you know relate to the kids, and that kind of tells you something about her personality. Yeah, that's pretty deep. That's uh... yeah. I mean, I, I <laughs> I'm not sure there was a question in there, but I agree. I mean, that's like you know, that's very much uh, like what we. Uh, I, I mean. Yeah, we, we just wanted to make sure in that scene specifically that we were kind of getting everyone's cards on the table so that for the rest of the movie, you're not dealing with like misunderstandings, you know, like it's there's only so long in a movie that you can have the heroes not understand what the plot of the movie is, you know, and that's always the risk in this kind of right. movie when yeah. you're hiding what the villain is like. If we actually waited until the witches first showed up to even mention the witches or, you know, you wouldn't want Amber to not even be thinking about it for the first hour of the movie, you know? Um, it just felt like an important beat for us to basically just get all the cards on the table for the plot. Yeah, like you said, there's more there's more going on than just, you know, than just the criminal element and, and the robbery. Um, and so, yeah, yeah I guess you, you kind of risk getting those plot lines sort of muddled if you if you try to keep that in suspense until, you know, until yeah, later so, on. Uh, you, you've got a couple of things that, you know, when you're making, when you're making low budget movies, they kind of, they, you know, they kind of tell you to stay away from like animals and, and kids. Yeah. And you've, yeah, you've we, got it all we definitely here. tried to cross a couple things <laughs> off the list. Also have a little bit of nudity, not, not a whole bunch, but we had one, one quick nude scene. Yeah. It was a whole bunch of, uh, you know, just things that make up horror movies that you loved as a kid, you know, and like the movies you loved as a kid, there's probably kids. And I mean, yeah, there's then, probably a, there's probably a friendly dog, and like if it's an R-rated movie, there's probably some nudity and violent deaths, you know, like that's, if, that's the formula. And if you're gonna have a babysitter, I mean, you have to have a kid. So yeah, exactly. <laughs> I understand. I guess at one point there was um, there was going to be a scene, I guess, with the kids and the dog, and that was um, yeah. There was a scene in the script where it was kids eating from a pizza, eating slices of pizza, and drinking from cups. And at the same time, a dog comes through. And like spills. And it all has yeah. to be timed. Yeah. Because there's like a certain way that it has to happen. So basically, the dog and both kids have to hit their marks. And the food has to be in continuity in every shot. And it just was like, it, it sounds like it's not a big deal maybe, but it's just... Uh, so difficult to keep track of all of those things happening at once. But yeah, we wound up doing the version in the movie doesn't even have the dog. In it. No, yeah, yeah. We we wrote that out before we shot it. Yeah, just tried to make it a little less complicated, especially for us since we had so many other things on our plate. We were like, yeah. this isn't even like you know gore or anything. We're like, what are we doing? Yeah. Spending so much time trying to figure this out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, because like you know, because the dog had to come through and hit a table at an exact point to knock over a cup. Yeah, and it's just like, how many takes are you going to shoot that while you're like? burning your day oh, yeah. you know like yeah we already had pretty ambitious like yeah all of our days were pretty ambitious we were like yeah. at least five or ten shots over what we probably felt comfortable we could shoot um so it was just always you know shooting after hours with abe and and the dp just trying to scotty just trying to like get stuff so yeah yeah that was that was one thing we wound up just kind of nixing you know as soon as we were like this is like it requires like all these separate shots that we like just didn't have in our day to yeah. like, you know, and, also and it wasn't necessary. Like, it's just, even the know. best trained dog is like, you're not going to get it to hit an exact mark. Like, <laughs> and we didn't have the best trained dog. It was <laughs> just uh, someone from Nashville that, you know, <laughs> a friend of a friend who, you know, helped us out for a few days. But, uh, yeah. So w there was a couple of complications there. So we were just like, well, we might, might as well wake, make it a little bit easier on ourselves, at least for that, one scene yeah and then we'll go back to making it difficult for ourselves after lunch. yeah pretty much <laughs> well yeah and and i i wanted to it was, a, it was kind of a you know it, it was an interesting story to you know to read about and it was kind of one of the things that i i was you know i was curious um to hear because because you're right when you when you just when you just write it it sounds it sounds pretty straightforward but then when you actually start to think about you know as a director Oh, I have to make all this stuff happen. 
and capture it on camera and then make it look like you know it was all once one seamless event it becomes uh, becomes a lot oh, more yeah, complicated we had a lot there's of a lot of moving parts changes to. and rewrites i mean i think we even had the dog like possessed like as one of the yeah, yeah like we had to we were so amb- in the early drafts of the script like, <laughs> we can do it all yeah, yeah. we were so <laughs> ambitious about what we would be able to do with a dog yeah yeah once we figured out uh the money and the situation and what you know what dog actor we had we were like all right we got to you know cut a couple of a uh, couple of our babies out of the script but i mean it wound up i think turning out a lot better cuz we we focused our energy on yeah. yeah the stuff that actually mattered at least for us yeah so yeah that's that's really interesting and uh and i love uh yeah i love the rest of the cast we talked about jack and and elise already um you've also got you've also got jermaine rivers so he was a lot of fun yeah uh, yeah jermaine is uh he's a great actor um and uh yeah really professional guy also uh one of the those super prepared type of actors um and uh yeah, I think he gave a great performance and, you know, we were really on the same page about what we were trying to do with that character and he jumped out at us in auditions right away because we had cast a really wide net with Rod. We were really considering all different types of people, like in terms of, you know, like the style, the age, the kind of like persona that they had. And so he came in and really, uh, yeah, just kind of like captured our imagination, yeah, I guess. Like immediately. Yeah. And he's just—he was really good at just giving a lot of variations, which is what that character needed um, on set. So. Yeah, that's true. You could really, um, really quickly after take run up and kind of just, you know, really quickly be like, all right, so we got to do the same thing, but we just, you know, got to scale it this way or that way, and um, yeah, and he would be able to kind of nail it right away. He was a lot of fun to watch, and then Amber Newcomb—it oh, just looks like she's having yeah, a blast uh, in this she, movie. I mean, she really did just embrace that character. As soon as she put those contacts in, it was just a, a whole other side of her on set. Yeah, yeah. I mean, she's got the most fun role in the movie, I think. Um, and I think that she also thinks that. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, yeah, she was great. She loved in that big kind of um, fight scene. Uh, not to spoil anything again, but yeah, the big fight scene kind of at the end. She's... Uh, Really, just like a force of nature out there. She's, yeah, she's pretty scary. <laughs> <laughs> and also, she had a very got to give her respect also for wearing an incredibly uh, difficult costume to be wearing for the entire movie. Also. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, she definitely uh, had the most fun role, and I think she had the most fun with it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It seems like the kind of thing that uh, that actors would would really love because, like I said, she has she has a couple of different looks in, in yeah. the movie because of what happens. Her you know her personality changes and um, and she just gets to kind of chew up every scene she's in. Yeah, I mean she's uh, she really turned in a great performance and you know she was a funny one too because she was one of the only people from I guess it was just her and Elise that came from L.A. Um, wasn't, oh no, Lisa, no Lisa's Lisa's really, uh, it's just Amber. Yeah, it's just Amber. Yeah, that's right. She was the only one that came from LA. Yeah, so Amber Newcomb actually, she was the only actress in the movie that was from Los yeah. Angeles that we actually got to cast in person. Um, you know, because we were casting off of uh, uh, submission tapes and then meeting people only in once we flew out to um, Nashville for most of the actors. Um, but yeah, she was. Uh, she was one that we saw in just like open casting sessions in LA and she just completely nailed it. And it's funny since she's actually moved to Atlanta. So now she's part of the Atlanta actors scene. Yeah. Most of the actors were from Atlanta originally. Like, uh, that's where we got Jermaine and Elise and Benedict. Benedict. Yeah. There's a good amount. Barlow. Yeah. Um, so yeah, almost all of them. Well, like half of them. Um, and then yeah, Joe walls who plays Ted is from New York and we had people from elsewhere in the South. Um, so yeah, uh, yeah, the cast is mostly in, uh, LA like area. A, yeah. yeah. East coast. So you guys kind of coordinated this whole thing from LA and then came to, to Nashville. Well, yeah, that was actually film, uh, right? where I grew up. So we just filmed it actually over at my parents' house, um, that I grew up in so that we just thought that would be probably the smartest thing for our buck since we didn't really, uh, we didn't really have a location and I think locations in LA would cost us probably a few thousand uh, a day. Yeah. 
I yeah, mean, so. also just like a, you, <laughs> a house like that in LA would be. Just well, it's just impossible. Prohibitively for, expensive. We wouldn't yeah. be able to get it for a, an indie movie for sure. Yeah. So, so yeah. And like when you got a great house and you got a nice piece of land that it's on and everything, it's like you know that's kind of a nice uh, you know playground for a horror movie. Yeah, um, and that's actually where all of like pretty much our whole cast and crew slept in the house too. So anytime we were like not filming in one of those rooms, there was people's mattresses and stuff in there for the most part. Yeah. So there's a lot of, uh, playing, um, playing around trying to figure out where to, where to store people and their stuff. Yeah. While we're moving around shooting and, you know, different bedrooms. The shoot was like a traveling band every day. Yeah. Move into it. Room in a different area and like everything would get dressed and then it would like move on the next day and that was like all coordinated by christian Cantero, our main producer that guy like just he did so much during during production it's insane that we didn't have to worry that much about all of the uh, logistics behind where everyone slept and when and yeah, it was. Uh, it would have been a nightmare. So he he definitely handled that nightmare extremely well. Yeah, absolutely. Was was every was everything in the interior? Was that uh, was that all? You know, the location, the you know, the basement, yeah, that was, the, that was you all, know, the pool house. Uh, pretty much almost the same layout. We had a couple of changes where like the actual office was like in a different room, not in that hallway. That yeah. uh, you know, the lay the layout of the house yeah. is not what you would imagine based on the movie. But it it's is very the, similar. It, but though. it's very yeah. similar. But it's yeah. all the same rooms. So There's just like yeah. a couple that are swapped, like in terms of where we wanted. Yeah, yeah, where we wanted certain places to. But the whole movie, I believe, even inserts and everything is shot on that property. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so. Yeah. So. Yeah, and and, it, and it's yeah. a it's a beautiful house. Yeah, we it was kind of like a perfect opportunity. My parents were trying to move uh, in the next like year or two before we shot that movie, so I like pretty much begged them uh if abe and i could come up with the script that we could shoot it there and uh, they they agreed so we got to slightly demolish that house before we 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 left but yeah my parents actually live over near la now so um yeah we don't we no longer have access to that cool yeah. after we shot that anymore. movie they were like we're getting out of here yeah like, we're done. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah that was like the end of it you know and then they moved out of here yeah uh, but uh, yeah, that house was like super cool, definitely. Uh, and thanks to Scotty who shot it. I mean, we we got to make such a colorful palette with a lot of those like what would be boring like white beige walls. Uh, they just kind of absorbed all of that color that we were wanting to you know imitate Suspiria. The colors in this movie and the color palette uh, is 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 amazing, and you know just every every shot looks beautiful and. I I don't know if it's just you know that, oh. that you know being at Christmas kind of kind of kind of gives you an excuse to do I that mean, yeah, from or all of our other short uh, films we kind of set it during <laughs> Christmas time too just because you get to play with so much more lights just from you know all the other decorations that are around so yeah I mean there's some of those movies are like you know even like the new Black Christmas the 2006 one that's like a huge reference for our lighting yeah the lighting in that movie is amazing yeah. Um, uh, it's a guilty pleasure movie, but like, yeah. I, it's one of my favorites. I don't know why I watch it multiple times a year. <laughs> I know it's not a good movie. It's just extremely fun. Yeah. It does have a good cast, though. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah, Looking back at it, yeah, but it's a bad movie. Yeah, but it's like it's a yeah. fun movie to watch. So though. so fun. Yeah. yeah, but honestly, like a lot of the Christmas movies that I grew up watching are not necessarily, you know, amazing. There's like you know, Black Christmas, the original 1974 one. That one's like you know probably the best Christmas horror movie yeah. made. But like, besides that, I think I grew up with like silent night, deadly night. And you know, some of these other ones that were yeah. just, you know, they're, they're extremely fun. And I don't, don't ever want to talk shit on them because like they, I grew up and yeah. watching those movies, but there is a, it's a different type of quality. Um, yeah. I mean, there's yeah. a, there's a difference <laughs> between Black Christmas and silent night. Deadly night. Oh yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, I also, a lot of like the best yeah. Christmas, no, I... like Black Christmas is the rare, it's a not just a horror, because like Night Sitter is a horror movie that's just set at Christmas. Yeah. The plot of what it's about has nothing to do with Christmas, really. And there's some other, like Gremlins is a Christmas movie. Oh, like that. for sure. You know, like, yeah. There's a lot of, like, that's one brand. The other one is like, 
the Christmas horror movies that are like actually explicitly somehow about Christmas. Oh yeah. And like Black Christmas is probably the only one of those that's like not just like I mean I guess it's not even explicitly about Christmas really. Does in the original is the guy's plan Christmas themed? I, as far as I can remember, no. No, actually. it's not, I, right? I it just, just happens to happen at Christmas. Yeah, yeah so it's anyway, around it's, the Christmas break. All the so. prestigious ones are the ones that just happen to like go down at Christmas. And then the ones yeah. that are actually Christmas-themed are like the cheesier, kind of campier ones, usually. Usually, yeah, yeah. I, I just watched, I actually just got done watching the uh, the whole Silent Night, Deadly Night series. Oh, oh so my they're God. So, they're so good. I mean, they're like, they're <laughs> trash. I love Brian using a, like, helped with some of those later ones too so he's like one of our yeah our idols but like i grew up like those are the movies that i grew up watching like at least renting from the from blockbuster and like movie gallery and all that stuff so like i just have a huge love for all five of those except for potentially the remake silent <laughs> can't really get over yeah. that one but like it's still I'm, I'm gonna i'm gonna rewatch it again at some point like it's in my collection yeah so even even that one's worth worth rewatching. watching oh. uh, using a directed four and it, it, it when i was as i was sitting there watching it i was like you know you know, between this and society, I can just imagine like what his version of Eyes Wide Shut would look oh like. God, I know. <laughs> so amazing. You know, it's funny is we actually went to see uh, society, society yeah. at the at the Alamo Draft House out here in like March. Yeah, it was like right before. Yeah, it was right before theaters shut down, and Brian you oh, know, wow. was like there in person doing a Q and A, and it was like so. It was society. It was what the screening was. And, yeah. Uh, it was so awesome to see society on a big screen. And then, like, hear, you know, one of our idols yeah, talk about. Yeah, just to, like, hear him talk about the making of the movie. Uh, he's yeah. really cool. He's, like, a pretty no-bullshit kind of guy. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. He, I, uh, yeah, I, it's it's funny, like, those movies diverge. After after part two, they start to diverge very quickly oh. from what I, the I, original storyline was. For sure. I mean, and honestly, um, the second one is... I, I mean, it's 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 pretty much atrocious if you actually like, you know, like all of the best parts are literally like taken from the first one, and they're just loaded. right. But it's so like I mean, it, and it's like I think that that movie couldn't have taken more than a couple. of... I haven't watched the behind the scenes. I know Shout Factory made some sweet edition, and I do have it. I, I own it, and I own the little action figure. So I'm not trying to talk too much shit on the movie, but. It is, uh, you know, it's a bad movie. Garbage it's, day. It's yeah. It's one. Of the, <laughs> it's considered, I think, one of the worst movies of all time, just because it takes so much footage from the first movie and just like, you know, plops yeah. it in there. And then, like, yeah. literally, like, it must have shot. Have taken a week to film because, like, almost the entire movie is in an interrogation room. The, so, like, the whole first yeah. hour, yeah, is. <laughs> Is is an interrogation room, and then it's flashbacks, like, and and like literally, it's like exactly. like thirty or forty minutes of, of original content at the end. Like in the eighties, of all the horror movie sequels, just like reused huge chunks of footage from the first movie. Yeah, like even Evil Dead Two does it. I, it mean, I guess it's reshot. Well, yeah, the thing is, Evil Dead Two is like, but a, yeah, it's the same plot points, you know. And but like you know, the Friday the Thirteenth movies did that. You know, Subway oh, yeah. Camp Two did that, and it's just like. Man, they like really did not give a fuck at all. Yeah. They were like, yeah. oh, "We're just gonna." Oh yeah, For, well, Friday the Thirteenth Part Two. I think the first. I think I think they replay like fifteen minutes yeah. of <laughs> the first one. And that movie so. probably came out like nine months after the first one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, yeah they were churning those out. Yeah. yeah. We I had a we were having a conversation about this with some friends the other day about like when did they stop doing recaps in horror sequels or just in sequels in general like even when you think back to stuff like Back to the Future and stuff like there was always a recap and you know I remember going to like watch Avengers Endgame and not that I didn't remember what happened but it literally just starts with the next scene um you know like if you were to cut them together you wouldn't cut anything out you'd literally just splice the the ends of the movies together yeah yeah, but I mean, I think I don't know. I kind of I definitely prefer that. I yeah, that's that it's too. I think that the the recap thing is kind of. I mean, yeah, this is probably a factor of what you just said. They don't do it anymore, but it feels kind of like dated to me, you know? Because it like I feel like we're just at a like place with film fandom that for at least like big movies like that, like so few people in that theater need a recap. You know, I feel like like TV yeah. barely even do recaps either, which they used to yeah. do that. And it and it might even be like a sign of like because back in the in the seventies and eighties, um, you know, even like even though we had VHS in the eighties and stuff, but but uh, but having a VCR wasn't as common as 
you know, having a uh, having a, a, a DVD player or a, or even a you know having DVR and stuff like that is today. So you know you 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 might be selling tickets to people who didn't see the first one because they didn't catch it in theaters and hadn't seen it since. So I don't know. Maybe it was just sort of expected so that somebody could come in and understand what was going on. Yeah. Well. Anyway, it seems like them just being cheap to me. <laughs> That's all I'm <laughs> Someone so, cutting corners with Back to the Future yeah. too. That's my story. <laughs> Be uh, yeah. <laughs> before before we leave Silent Night Deadly Night, I, I I have to get off my chest that I do think that Silent Night Deadly Night three is like bordering on um is bordering on like war crimes. It's <laughs> it was so offensive to me um because because they cast Bill Mosley as Ricky. I do vaguely remember this. Honestly, I need to rewatch because I only have uh, that. Like, I, I have like a kind of. It's, I'm sure it's the version that most people have. It's just like a DVD of the other ones. I'm like waiting until the Blu-rays come out. But uh, I'm, I should rewatch the last ones because I know four and five were like three. Honestly, I don't have that much to comment on because I, I just need to rewatch it, man. Yeah. Um, I really, yeah. I wish I, I was more prepared for this because I. I should... <laughs> I feel like that because like honestly christmas horror movies are like seriously some of my favorite um like it's like my favorite genre so i mean even the bad ones so i i definitely i I'm, i might even just have to rewatch that tonight <laughs> yeah i mean i would i would definitely say i would definitely say check it out and there's some interesting things there but it was so strange to me because they cast they cast bill mosley and i think it was it was it was uh, less than two years after uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. Oh my god, yeah, definitely, which was, you know, in his heyday. <laughs> yeah, so he's fresh off of Chop Top, and it's like, okay, we got the guy from Chop Top, uh, from, you know, from TCM2, um, you know, what do you want to do with him? And they're like, oh, let's have him lie in a bed in a coma for half the movie. <laughs> yeah, that is so disappointing. <laughs> Uh, especially for Bill Mosley, because he's just such a outrageously amazing actor that, like, yeah, it's a, it's a shame to have him in a coma. Yeah, yeah. So, um, okay, I feel better now. I had to <laughs> <laughs> to get that out a little bit. Um, so, getting back to the Night Sitter, uh, the one of the things I think that really you know that really makes this movie a sing are the are the special effects. And you guys worked with Ben Rittenhouse on this, who was, uh, who worked with you know K and B effects, yeah, on a ton of stuff. Uh, so I guess tell me, tell me what it was like working with him, and you know some of the stuff uh, that you guys um, that you guys uh, did and, and and learned with that. Uh, I mean, yeah, it was absolutely amazing. We were it was kind of like perfect timing where we were looking for an effects artist and we didn't we couldn't really afford to like pay an effects artist to, from LA to come out to you know film in our movie for a few weeks or two weeks um, so we wound up getting a contact from uh, our uh, one of our other effects artists her name is Monique and uh, she wound up um, hooking us up with Ben and she said that like an effects artist that was Ben wound up moving to Nashville uh, pretty, pretty recently. I think it was like within the last year of like right before we were gearing up to shoot the night sitter. And, uh, it kind of worked out perfectly cause he was actually starting a school out there. So we, we like met him in person and he seemed thrilled, but he said that like, you know, under one condition, he'll like totally do it, but he'd, he'd have to, you know, have some of his, his, uh, students, learn and like work on set and uh, it actually worked out like perfectly on our end yeah because i mean it was just like having a much larger team than normal um and and we, we of course couldn't afford a team like k and b but, you know, <laughs> yeah. ben had been teaching some of these people for a little while and actually he was like you know sculpting some of the prosthetics and stuff and like teaching his his uh, students like how to how to perform a lot of the the molding and casts and you know all of the all of the effects uh, that we needed for this movie. We don't want to give away too much stuff, but there's like you know uh, an arm injury and you know some some pretty cool <laughs> yeah, stuff that, like yeah. that Ben had a lot of fun with, and uh, I mean we absolutely had a lot of fun on set with. Um, I wish that we were in Nashville more to like see it, the 
involvement of those effects, but he was sending us like photos and updates all the time. Yeah. Um, and we were in Nashville for um, like, uh, it was like, well, how long was it before we started? I want to say it was like three weeks before. Yeah, we, three weeks before we started shooting. We were there for pretty much two months, I think. Yeah. Abe and I, and uh, like pretty much our cinematographer. Yeah. So. Oh. so, yeah, we had time then to work with him on a lot of stuff. And then, yeah, once we actually got on set, it was just great having that much help. Um, yeah, it was really nice. And we should also say that Monique, who recommended him, wound up doing um, the makeup for our movie. And, uh, yeah, she also did some of the stuff yeah i mean how can you say no to you know having an entire effects crew when you know you, you barely had enough you know budget for for one guy i don't know how you say no to that so that's that's awesome you know leaving you know sort of the horror stuff aside you know i mean even up to that point you know the, the story is interesting you've got interesting characters and great performances and um great lighting it's all shot really well but then when things just start going crazy in that uh in that final act um you know, and everything gets just gets really gory. That really just just sort of just sort of makes makes everything work. So, you know, I don't like like you guys said. I don't want to give too much away, but I, just to kind of entice you know people to uh, to check it out. I mean, you've got you know you've, you've got you know like people getting their faces smashed in with weights, and oh, yeah. you've got you know scalping and and hands breaking and just yeah. all kinds of really gory, really gross stuff. And it, it looks, it looks fantastic and everybody just gets covered in blood. Um, it's just, it's just a good, good time. Yeah. We really appreciate it. I mean, yeah. thank you. I mean, yeah, people are, uh, people get wrecked in this movie. Yeah, for sure. Uh, it's, uh, yeah, we tried to have every kill be different. I mean, that's just something that, you know, it's kind, kind of, of like a goal. We didn't want anything to look like, yeah. you know, regurgitated. Um, but yeah, it was it was a lot of fun, and I thought we did a pretty good job with the budget that we had for for you know. Yeah, we won. Uh, what was that from film festival? We won best kill. It was for we've got this great trophy from some film festival that says uh, Night Sitter best kill uh, knife through back of head. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what it says on the trophy. Yeah. <laughs> And it's like, oh, that's a keeper, you know, like that's, that's great. Uh, yeah. My favorite is the, uh, well, should we, it's some, oh, yeah, someone yeah. gets their throat ripped out. That's my favorite. Yeah. That one's pretty, pretty yeah. fun. Yeah. Yeah. That one's, that one's cool. There's, there's one moment that, um, that reminded me a little bit of, um, I think it was, I think there's a scene in Annabelle creation, um, where there's a character that's like holding up a crucifix. Uh huh. Um, to try and like ward off uh, Annabelle, and, and you know, like his fingers start getting getting bent back one at a time. It's really that. <laughs> I do remember that. I was a little like, uh... it's always a bummer when stuff like that comes out after you've already shot your right. Because we were watching that, and we were like, damn, there's yeah. actually a few similarities to Annabelle besides you know, yeah, the huge millions of dollars that both of us had. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um... But story wise, yeah, we were, we, yeah, we uh, we were like, oh damn, there's a babysitter, there's yeah, there's like a crazy like conjuring room. There's, wait, that's Annabelle yeah. three. Oh wait, yeah, isn't that the cre- oh wait, hold on, is that the one? <laughs> Creation's the second yeah. one. Sorry, yeah, the second one. Yeah, the second one doesn't have much to do, but yeah, the second one's yeah. totally has nothing. Yeah, to do yeah, yeah. But yeah it's I do remember the third that, one. The third one did on. have a little bit. Yeah, when we were watching it, like. I think we were in post production, or we had just finished the Night Sitter, or something, and we were like, "Damn, there's yeah. there's a few similarities in this." But movie. honestly, wait, Annabelle Creation came out in like what twenty sixteen? Uh, yeah, I honestly can't remember. Yeah, uh, <laughs> but anyway, the point is, our risk breaking is completely different. <laughs> Annabelle's finger snapping, right? They're two completely different stunts made by two completely different great creative teams. It's true. Yeah, that's the point. <laughs> yeah no that's it's just it's 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 great stuff um it, it really is and like i said i mean at any any time uh anytime i can see something you know in in a in a in a extremely low budget movie that you know looks like it would fit right at home in you know something like a you know a a, a major stu- you know studio horror like uh you know like an annabelle film i think is is a compliment yeah well definitely we, yeah, we, we certainly take it that much way much appreciate so, yeah. <laughs> So, and like you said, so, and, and you've got all these creative kills, um, they're all unique and, you know, and, and all of these characters, I think, 
I think it's fair to say that, that none of them really outstay their welcome uh, when they, um, you know, there's, I don't think there's ever really a point where you're like, God, you know, I wish this guy could die already because, you know, he's, he's starting to annoy me. Um, and and Ben uh, Ben's character, I think, is, is kind of the one that, that would sort of, uh, that sort of probably most runs the risk of, uh, of doing that. He's kind of the, the know-it-all um oh, okay. type of character and and I think he does a he he gives another great performance. He's got a good I, he's got a good look like like he's a professional character actor that's been in movies for for years. Um <laughs> but he hasn't hadn't actually done that much uh, when you guys started working with him. Yeah, he absolutely. I mean, he was mostly a comedian. Yeah. Most of the work he had done was um you know, like in the local comedy scene. Um and like Yeah, it was pretty Pretty, uh, I mean, he, he just kind of like on a whim, I think we were like posted some stuff for Nashville and yeah, he wound up like, he's from, I think Georgia as well. Yeah. 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 I think he wound up like driving over there. He had some friends in town. So he was like, Oh, I might as well just stop by this audition real quick. And yeah, uh, I mean, honestly, everyone else that read for that role, like, like once watching, you know, Ben, it was just like it was a no-brainer i mean we couldn't really yeah, yeah. we never seriously considered anyone else yeah it was really just kind of yeah as soon as we saw him we were like well we really don't need to you know look anymore yeah um and you know it's funny he's playing it, it you know it's interesting because it's you know it is a character actory type of role because he's not actually that similar to vincent in real life like at no. all no um and so it was kind of fun to see him, you know, even though he's not like, a, you know, he's not a trained actor, he's mostly a comedian, but I think he has this understanding of persona and timing and everything um, that really comes through in his performance. Yeah, he definitely brought like a different type of energy yeah. than any of the other characters. Because like that... the other guys who did it, like Vincent was like really unlikable. You know, like, like unlikable to the point. Yeah, you're like, like, dude, I just want to see this guy die like immediately. Yeah. And that wasn't our goal because we were yeah. like, this is one of our favorite characters. Yeah, more, we don't want him to be like too sleazy or yeah. too like. It's more interesting if he's like, kind of weird. And you can see like the likeable, warmth in his face. Yeah, like there's a lot of the people that we were auditioning. We were like, this is just like, this is just an old creepy guy. We can't like. Yeah. yeah. Can't a lot of guys that. who looked like their real name was Vincent. Yeah. You know? <laughs> He and Elise kind of have an interesting arc together because he starts out a little bit, you know, you know, not really understanding boundaries mm-hmm. that well. But but in the end, he kind of comes off as you know far more likable than uh, than her actual boyfriend, uh, who's, who's played by Benedict. Really, almost like any, I'd say him and Jack, who Kevin, are probably the most redeemable characters in yeah. this in yeah. this movie. Uh, intentionally, though, we definitely, yeah. yeah. I mean, Vincent is. Uh, What's great about him is that for me, the most unlikable thing he does in the movie is volunteer to go down into the basement. You know, <laughs> how stupid. Yeah, you got to you got to shut your mouth, man. You know, I mean, like there's yeah. the, the hubris of being like, I got it. You know, <laughs> like that's like his I guess that's his sin that he gets his comeuppance for like right away. Um, also, it's funny because that scene we really when it's it's uh, Vincent and Martin go down to the basement. Um, and you're cued to really dislike Martin at that point and kind of feel like Vincent is a new kind of major character in the movie. Um, and then so when Vincent dies and Martin lives, we hoped that it would be kind of a surprise for the audience <laughs> that it went down that way. Yeah, uh, yeah, for sure. Because it, it feels like you know, he's going to be kind of the one that's, that's going to come in and, and save the day. And then, you know, and then Ted comes back uh, you know, from, from his date at the at the end of the night and i don't know how much you guys want to want to say i mean i i i think hopefully people have listened this far have already seen it but yeah and same with the yeah i mean it was we definitely were thrilled to have our uh our father character joe come back um, <laughs> at the end the final act yeah. i mean it's just because like uh the way we set him up, at least in the first act, you'd be extremely disappointed if you never saw him again. I mean, it's yeah, yeah, it would, um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, you'd have questions. You'd be like, why did I spend so much time with this guy? If that's his entire role in the movie. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, we said earlier that Amber Newcomb was having the most fun on set. Joe Walls was played Ted. He was probably a close second. Oh yeah, uh, he 
he had a great time. He loved his character. Um, and you know, he's a trained, uh, like he works mostly in theater in New York. So he's a trained actor. Okay. He has a much more kind of technical style. Um, but yeah, he's just, yeah. It's fun. And he's, yeah. he's very affecting in, in, in sort of the way that he acts. And now that, now that you say he's a stage actor, I think that, uh, that does make a lot of sense because it, it is, I mean, it's not, not in a, in a, in an obnoxious way, but like it, it definitely has a little hints of, you know, the sort of the playing to the back row. Uh, with his character i think kind of why we immediately like he just knew the character yeah when he was like auditioning we were just like oh man because ted is putting on a performance you know what i mean (laughs) right right that actually is what he's doing in his scenes um so you know and i think the scene at the end where he actually is uh he comes home i think you see this really great moment of him going from pretending to be drunk to kind of like seeing that his plan is falling into place and he kind of you know in that moment i think he's actually very subtle because he's playing you know an actual uh real transition whereas when you see him in the beginning of the movie he has this kind of grand welcome to my humble home type of stuff you know and the, the scene of him walking her around was actually even longer in the first cut of the movie oh yeah so there was like a super long sequence of them of him just literally showing her around room to room and like talking with her. Um, and we actually wound up cutting some of it out just because it was just too much just for the pacing. Yeah. And we were like, we got to, got to uh, get to the horror stuff sooner. Yeah. But we gave, you know, but he, I think he had a great time cause he was walking and talking and having this big long speech for like, I mean, an entire shoot day at least. Oh yeah. Like maybe yeah. even like a day too. and a half. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I mean, Joe's a blast to work with. Yeah, definitely. And you can and you can definitely tell he's he's having a lot of fun there. Um and you know, and it's funny because it just when the first time you watch it you think um that maybe it's just a little bit of that corny dad um you know type of type of thing and then um you know when on on a rewatch you realize that actually a lot of his lines are are quite sinister, but they're you know, they're sort of completely innocent in the moment. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, yeah. I mean, that was that's what we we're. Our, yeah, that's yeah. our intention. So. Uh, yeah, Joe. Uh, you know, he has a lot of fun with those kind of very arch kind of lines. You know, um, and he was also, you know, he's great because he has so many pieces of business in every scene. It's like, you know, let me click on the TV. Let me make these drinks. Let me like, you know, show you this way. Like his performance is very um, choreographed. Um, and yeah, like a lot of those lines are a big part of that. He would have like the rhythm of when he was being friendly and when he was being kind of uh, menacing. The other thing that really I think ties ties this whole thing together is the music. Oh yeah, we we can't agree with you more on that end. Uh, our friend, our really amazing friend, composer, filmmaker. He's a director, writer. He does pretty much everything. Yeah. But his name is Rob Heimbaugh. Uh, he just completely embraced like we we gave him like some references and stuff as to like what we thought the music could be but he took it as as its own and you know it was it was a lot of fun like just almost every time we'd be in a session with him we were like wow this is actually like finally becoming the movie that we yeah wanted you know that was yeah yeah definitely and rob's his music really um elevates the movie because I think not only does it have that kind of um, synth cool, tone, yeah. that, like that cool kind of like icy synth, you know, that that's yeah. very popular in horror movies. But I think his skill as a musician makes it a little more, I think it's a little more surprising, a little more varied with what it does than just a lot of the um, kind of like John Carpenter-esque scores at least once the horror comes yeah once the horror comes in i mean i just think he has a lot of like even beautiful cues oh absolutely Um, uh yeah and and, you know it's it's funny it it was also his first time like kind of working with synths like he bought like a synth package and he was like because he's very classically trained where he he does like full orchestra yeah his impulse is like orchestra orchestra so we had to kind of not necessarily like fight with him at the beginning but we were button heads a little bit because he was like a Man, I feel like you guys, if we if we took you know an orchestra or some strings or something, we'd make it so much scarier. And we were like, no, 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 but like 
just yeah. try synthy stuff. Like we want sort of a synthy horror, and we gave him like a lot of references, but he really just took it as his own. Like he was just like he he had a couple weeks with it, and he was just. I mean, he he wound up loving uh, his his new package that he bought. Yeah. Well, on the one hand, it's surprising that it's that it's so good, given that uh, you know that he hadn't you know really worked in it with synth before, but. At the same time, you know what you're saying. I think you know makes a lot of sense because because musically it's uh, it's it's very well uh, it's very well written and and composed and you know then you know just it's just a matter of you know setting the right tone for you know for the kind of film you're making. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, you know, it's, we would always be telling him to like take in musically interesting stuff out. You know, because he'd like compose something that was like it was just too. It was like such a beautiful, um, yeah, like a beautiful musical. Yeah, we're like, like, you know, no, we need like basically like a bass line and a piano, and that's it. You know, (laughs) so yeah, but yeah, yeah, just keep it simple. He is truly a Renaissance man. He does everything, um, and he's really good at everything. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. Yeah, he no, that's, did all yeah. our other shorts too. So we yeah. we've had a relationship with him before. So yeah, uh, same with like pretty much all of our other team, our, our main team members. So yeah, it's mostly the same crew on every short film we've made with our uh, with our collective Roller Disco Massacre and the Night Sitter. So um, it's a lot of guys that we've known, uh, a lot of people that we've known uh, for like ten years, ten years yeah, now, yeah, 10, 15 years almost. Yeah. So, so how much did that help in, you know, sort of bringing everything together, you know, sort of with the time constraints and budgetary constraints that you had since you guys have all have all worked together and, you know, have are all familiar with each other and, and sort of have a established, uh, you know, rapport and, and, and communication? Uh, well, for Abe, Scotty and myself, it was tremendously helpful. It was, it's a little different because like our editor wasn't necessarily on set, uh, Tristan Boris. So we had a little bit of time, but I mean, in terms of, you know, our editing, our, our pacing, it was definitely mm-hmm. right on cue. But I'd say like all of our production stuff, uh, it probably would have been a lot more difficult if we had kind of like thrown in a new cinematographer in the mix, at least yeah. for Abe and, Abe and myself. Yeah, I mean, um, every department is extremely important on set, but um, typically I think that the, the relationship that you would want to cement the earliest in the pre-production process is probably cinematographer. Yeah, and I think um, like Scotty knew like already what we were wanting even before we said what we wanted yeah because we've made like we've made four other movies with him, yeah. four short films with him you know so he knows and a lot of them are lit in a similar style. I mean, all of them, really, yeah. except for one. Yeah. Absolutely. So I definitely want everyone to, to check it out. Again, it's called The Night Sitter. Um, you can find it on, uh, I have the Blu-ray, which uh, you know, which I always recommend. Uh, but it's also, I think, available um, you know, to rent or, or uh, purchase digitally. And I think it, it may be on a few, uh, a few streaming services. Where do you guys normally sort of send people that, uh, that want to see it? I would just say Amazon, but... Yeah, I think Amazon is probably the the best one. I mean, I do believe it is on streaming networks, but I think you can get it on iTunes. Yeah, right? like Voodoo, any of those like um, SVOD platforms, it'll be on. Um, so basically, whichever one people usually use to rent stuff, buy stuff, you know, yeah. iTunes. It's but on physical it's on copies, I would say. Like yeah. you're saying, a Blu-ray, probably Amazon. Yeah, and the black. Uh, if you want to get really weird with it, uh, Black Video, this great label, made a VHS copy that is for sale on their website. Yeah, it's still available. Yeah, there's. Um, so my favorite is the VHS copy. Um, oh yeah, it's really a beautiful package. It's like the old school, like clamshell retro clamshell yeah. case. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's uh, oh cool. Spend a little bit of time with uh, with the designer. Um, yeah, her yeah. Shay. But uh, yeah, it was pretty yeah. pretty like, that's definitely our, our most <laughs> yeah. exciting like physical piece of <laughs> neither one center. of us have a vcr so yeah. oh no i've got oh, one yeah, i just it's not hooked it's up, not hooked yeah. up. okay yeah. look we haven't watched the tape yet uh, yeah. but so i'm planning on it yeah. this this coming december sight sure. unseen i'm gonna say that's the ultimate version of the night <laughs> oh yeah i would hope so yeah. oh. uh, that's cool yeah i didn't even i didn't realize that uh, but I'm, I'm definitely going to uh definitely going to look for that now um so that's that's awesome because it definitely it's even though it's set in in modern day I think because of the lighting and the score 
and everything. It has that it has that eighties feel and, and right down to um, you know, sort of the the, the the violence and everything. I mean it's it's all sort of evocative of that of that period in horror, but you know, but but done with um, you know, updated technology and equipment and um Yeah. Uh, and effects and everything. Yeah. Yeah, we wish we could shoot it on film, but we definitely could not afford that. <laughs> that's just, that was an immediate yeah. no <laughs> but yeah it's, uh, I think it does have that aesthetic and that's I will also say uh, not to be a broken record that's another reason that the uh, VHS edition is so cool because the cover art is by this guy uh, Eric Adrian Lee yeah he's uh, done like so much a lot of like Jalo inspired yeah. artwork for like albums well, like he, death waltz and yeah he has beautiful work and so he did yeah. a, a poster uh that we used for the cover of the vhs um which is uh yeah it's definitely our favorite uh you know like a bit of art, key art yeah for the key movie art that for the movie. yeah absolutely really gorgeous yeah. uh, uh that's really cool yeah person you have you have the blu-ray that was released the, the u.s blu-ray yeah yeah so yeah. that's the one that has the like um, that's like the generic it's got like the five uh it's the boxes in the middle right yeah 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 or the, the book, book i'm sorry the book. yeah 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 um yeah eric's work uh, you know i'm not trying to step on anyone's toes eric's work is a little bit nicer than that yeah it <laughs> makes it more uh more amblin-esque which is what our at least the yeah. first half of our movie was kind of yeah it captures that a little bit better yeah yeah absolutely certainly yeah yeah i i i'll, I'll say you know that i, I definitely I, I i purchased the blu-ray um you know more because i, I like the movie and i wanted to support you guys than uh uh than you know the uh the, the cover art or uh, or anything else about, about it are there are there other other foreign uh other foreign dvds and blu-rays out there also yeah there's the the uk uh, I, yeah. I don't know if it's on Blu-ray. Anymore. I don't know. I know that they use different artwork yeah, yeah. that was similar esque to a Stranger Things two CD artwork. Because yeah. <laughs> like I was like I was looking at it and I was like, oh man, it's like very similar to. It did look like the Stranger, yeah. but it also looked just like a cover of like a novel by like Lois Dunn. Oh, absolutely. It was like it's of like the babysitter like looking out. Uh, the front door window that's open and it's like it looks almost like an insane storm or something is yeah, about to there's happen. like a red storm <laughs> yeah we're like oh my god this looks like, like way crazier than yeah. what i don't know if people people might be a little disappointed when watching and the thing that was really funny <laughs> is the first version of it they sent to us the girl opening the door was blonde yes yeah yeah it was just like we were like can we uh try to and just we make like, it yeah. look slightly like our babysitter that'd be cool <laughs> i mean if not it's fine because yeah. we don't really have any say just, but splash some red on her hair you know yeah yeah it was it was a little funny <laughs> that's cool um so all right uh, well guys um is there anything else that you're you know that you're working on uh that's in the works that you guys want to talk about or pitch i mean not right now you know it's honestly it's been a tough year to get stuff off the ground uh with uh, getting crews together and everything so right now we're kind of just in the mode of kind of developing stuff and you know trying to get uh script put together so by the time that uh you know a low budget uh film shoot in los angeles can realistically get back on the ground uh yeah we'll be ready we'll be to there go. yeah um there's some cool stuff happening right now with like covid compliance shoots and everything but it's a it's it's a lot of money the whole mechanism of doing the covid compliancy like it's a big line item in your budget and um that can make it prohibitive you know if, depending on what you're trying to do yeah, I have definitely heard that from from some people, and I've heard some numbers thrown around, you know, anywhere from fifteen or twenty percent or even more as far as what it adds to your uh, to your budget between having a having a you know compliance officer and you know and all the testing. Um, yeah, yeah, it's a lot. Yeah, a lot of added expenses that you know. Yeah, it's stuff that's not going to be on screen. Indie filmmakers don't yeah. really. And anything that's not going to be on screen, if you're sending spending big money on it, it's it just it hurts. Yeah, it's it's not fun. <laughs> yeah, I can definitely understand that. Um, all right, guys. Uh, well, listen, I appreciate uh, appreciate your time. I um, this has been a lot of fun for me. I re- again um, just want to encourage everyone to check out the movie one last time. And thanks everyone out there for listening. Um, once again, you can always connect with me at on Twitter 
at finhorror or at NSFA pod and email the show not suitable pod at gmail.com. Uh, please tell your friends. Uh, the show is, you know, sort of growing every day. I'm really excited about that. And, you know, want to get more people listening and want to get more people, more importantly, you know, watching, uh, watching all these movies. And the new theme music, the new theme music, I completely forgot. It's Christmas Alone from the band Free Parking. You might uh, remember them uh, being mentioned in my Velocipaster episode. Uh, that is uh, Brandon Steer's band. And uh, I'll drop a link to that song in the show notes. Uh, please check them out. Uh, huge thanks to Free Parking for uh, licensing me the track for these uh, special Christmas episodes. So enjoy. I'm really glad that uh, you guys uh, took take a few minutes and uh, and stop by. Thanks very much. Yeah, thank you. Oh, yeah, thank you, Patrick. We appreciate it. All right, thanks a lot, guys. Take care.